many software companies have migrated a big chunk of their operations to India for reasons we all know. There's a large workforce that is highly educated, highly motivated, and who will work for less than their counterparts in the US and Europe. But long-term success in the global market often has big short-term costs. There are just times when you know our chairman and my CFO and I will sit down and say, you know, we're we're gonna take it in the shorts for a little bit, but we're doing it for this reason. And that reason is always the long-term benefit of our client relationships. Hi, I'm Irene Silber. Richard Schatzberg is the Chief Commercial Officer for Nest Technologies, a privately held firm that designs, develops, and implements software solutions for clients around the world. Schatzberg was a session leader at a recent Vanguard Network dialogue. It's the first in a series of dialogues focusing on global leadership. The discussion was moderated by former public television journalist, Ken Stone. Here are some of the highlights. Richard, could you uh, talk a little bit about uh, Nest Technologies and also uh, your journey? Uh, you've yeah. been with them for 25 years. As an undergrad, I was a political science major with all thoughts of going to law school. So it makes perfect sense that I ended up running a, you know, a software services company, a global software services company, but um, decided not to. I had taken the LSAT. I also decided to take the GMAT. I ended up deciding to go into business school. Uh, and uh, and specialized in a combination of dual kind of dual degree in marketing and information systems. It was, you know, right as the dot-com was coming in, you could see that technology was going to create a surge in the market. Uh, and that's what led me down this path. And uh, after speaking at the graduation, I was offered a job by the president of the university to, to do business development for the university with corporations. Uh, and one of the one of the executives that I met was the founder of the Nest Group of Companies through those activities. That's how I actually was recruited to the founding of Nest Technologies by meeting this person while I was working at a university. Uh, so how I got here, I still am not 100% sure, but I, it's been a, an amazing experience. Uh, the Nest Group of Companies is a a diverse global entity that has uh, somewhere in the area of 7,000 employees, um, I believe is the number. Uh, our software services groups um, on a combined basis have a couple of thousand employees. Um, and that's the, that's the business that I'm one of the leaders in and, and in the United States, one of the co-founders, if you will, uh, although the founder of the entire Nest group is my boss, who is the chairman uh, of the entire group of Nest companies. Um, but it's been a great experience. We started with, you know, like four employees <laughs> uh, and grew it from there. Um, but how we grew it was interesting. We, we made a decision early on. I think it has turned out to be one of the better decisions that I actually led from the leadership standpoint to not ride the wave of projects. Um, we made a strategic decision to go after long-term strategic relationships. Uh, and that has really transformed us. We did not grow as fast as some of our competitors that you would know, the TCSs of the world and the Wipros of the world, um, who entered the public markets and you know took off. And uh, we grew a little bit differently. We literally grew like a stairway, one client at a time. What that has allowed us to do, which is still true today, is control the growth of our staff relative to our customer need. Understanding cultures, um, 
that has always proven to be incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, I can tell a very quick story from the early days of the foundation of our company, but years ago when I was a young man, probably 27, 28, I was in a meeting at, with a very senior group of people from a company that we were looking to create a partnership with. And um, there was a gentleman there in a white coat who was serving everyone coffee and tea and came over to myself and my colleague um, and uh, offered us tea and coffee. And, you know, obviously we both turned to him, thank you so much, sir. And, you know, thankfully answered the right way because it turned out that once he served everybody coffee and tea, he took off his white jacket only to have his suit underneath. It turned out he was the CEO and was testing us to see uh, how we uh, understood the servant, the service culture of India. Uh, so I, I would very much say that understanding culture, uh, if you're going to run a global organization, is probably a critically important uh, aspect of it. A lot of companies talk about building long-term relationships and investing in, in their partners. Uh, but uh, from a, a leadership point of view uh, and practical point of view, um, for global companies, I, I have to think that's a little bit harder. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can tell you how we do it. And um, part of why I say one of our best decisions was this decision to rely on these long-term strategic relationships and the financial performance that that created. Um, what that enables me to do is to, when... Um, when a client gets into a creek without a paddle, uh, I don't have to worry about PL. And, and I, I'll give you an example just from last week. Uh, I had a client call me, new client coming on, um, but we need this client migrated to our platform within eight days. Um, the, the traditional timeline would probably be two to three months. Came to me and said, listen, I don't care what it costs over time, you've got an open checkbook, you know, get me a statement of work. I said, no, forget the statement of work, forget the money. I don't even want to talk about it right now. Let's get this done for you. And at the end of this, we'll talk about it afterwards. I don't want to go through contract. I don't want to, you have a problem. Therefore, it's my problem. Let's get to solving this problem right away without obstacle. I don't even want to waste an hour. Uh, and, it, and that kind of decision-making can be challenging. Uh, it requires, um, you know, in the case of our business, you know, our group chairman, who, as I said, my boss, um, has given myself and my CFO the flexibility to make those decisions. We've been together for a long, long time. He trusts us. He's seen the benefit of those decisions in the past. Uh, but, you know, that is a great example. Not, not worrying about the PL all the time, right? Focusing when, when a client has a problem, it's our problem. And if we can't solve that problem for them, we're going to do everything. We're going to die trying. And you mentioned you the uh, you mentioned the T word trust. Um, yeah. How do you build trust with a client overseas? Um, how 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 much harder is that? And are are there some practical things you can do uh, to make it so? Very much so. Um, you know, we are not a company that kind of uh, throws work over the wall to India and hope it comes back well. Um, the model that we have always used. And, and there are companies that do that. It's a failing strategy. Um, we build integrated teams. Uh, and one of the things that we do that is another cost that we bear, and we do not charge our client for it, clients for it, is we will geoposition. Uh, we, we build integrated teams. We bring people over from India to be a part of the US team. And we switch people 
And we pay a heavy fee in terms of visas and travel and accommodations because the way trust is built is in creating mutual accountability. Mutual accountability starts with understanding who people are. We don't allow people to hide behind their corporate ID. Um, the teams get to know each other. They get to know each other as individuals. We bring them over on, um, you know, even if it's for a month or two to work at the client site, we, we'll eat the expense of that. Because when you get to know somebody as a person and you understand that they're working towards a common outcome, uh, trust takes time to build. But um, we start there. We start there by um, telling our customers that we're going to co-invest in the development of this relationship. Um, that starts us out on a point of trust because the first thing out of our mouth is, here's a proposal, please sign it. It's not that. It's, listen, I'm going to build a team of six, eight people for you. We're going to train them and you're not going to see a bill from me. Why should you pay for my team learning? Right? It's a different strategy. Uh, it's worked for us. There have been painful days because of it, but in the long run, uh, it has created a very sustainable um, business with with uh, you know a client relationship that averages over eleven years. Do you think it's easier uh, to be a private company, privately held company, uh, in the global marketplace, or yeah, harder? I, I I would say so. I would say you know if you if you have to report quarter to quarter, you know you're often making short term decisions. Um, whether it's for compensation or for reporting purposes, we don't have to worry about that, you know? And, and like I said, there are just times when, you know, our chairman and my CFO and I will sit down and say, you know, we're, we're gonna take it in the shorts for a little bit, but we're doing it for this reason. And that reason is always the long-term benefit of our client relationships, um, you know? So yeah, I think if we had to report quarter to quarter, some of those decisions would be really difficult to make. Talking about the globalization of the world uh, as if it's a foregone, like it is ever going to march. And I'm just wondering how you see the growing nationalism tying into that, at least from a business, a commercial point of view. Um, do you see perhaps a pullback? I have not uh, at all. And uh, in fact, quite to the contrary, to the contrary, I'll tell you, um, you know, for, for years, I think everyone may be aware of the, you know, the ongoing relationship between Pakistan and India. Uh, we have just created a partnership with a group in Pakistan. Um, and you would think that these organizations would struggle to work together. Uh, they view it as a political issue, not a cultural issue or a monetary issue or a business issue, and they are perfectly willing to work. So I, I think globalization um, will, outpace this current environment of growth of nationalism. Uh, and I think the business community is going to continue to enforce that. And I think that benefits uh, uh, all of us globally. You know, I think, you know, just look at the growth of the Indian middle class over the last 30 years. I, I think that the business sector has, has been the leading um, agent of that change in, in a country of a billion people, more than a billion people. Uh, and I hope that that will continue to affect other countries in a similar fashion, but I'm not seeing any impact of nationalism whatsoever amongst our clients. Uh, among, they, they have geopolitical fears because of the environment, um, but it's not because of nationalism. It's, it's truly just geopolitical. If politics isn't going to stop globalization, 
um, nationalism if it's not going to do so. Uh, what about the next pandemic? Uh, mm -hmm. And I say the next pandemic because we're going to have another one, right? Uh, whether it's five years from now or 10 years from now. How, as a leader, as someone who's looking at growing their company, um, how do you include that in, as part of your calculation? Yeah, you know, I, I would compare it much to um, cyber today, right? You, you, if you're a leader of a global company, you, and, and wherever you, if you're a little, an SMB locally, right? You have no choice today to think about business continuity. Uh, and I think business continuity from a technology standpoint, from a cybersecurity standpoint, from a, an operation standpoint, from a logistics and supply chain and fulfillment standpoint, Right. You need to build in what if scenarios. Uh, you know, I, I would say I, I agree with you completely, Ken, that this was a trial run. Uh, we are going to be evolving in this environment, in my opinion, for a long time to come. Uh, and we just need to uh, get used to the fact that the only constant remains change and we're going to continue to have it. That was Richard Schatzberg, Chief Commercial Officer for Nest Technologies at a recent Vanguard Dialogue. Dialogues and podcasts like this one are just some of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.